0: What is up all of my beautiful freaking people welcome back to another episode of fml talk I am really stoked to dive into today's episode. My really good friend maria breeze is here She is an actress a producer and all-around fucking just like rock star Female in this world, and we are going to dive in to all things dealing with a narcissistic family member. Sit back, grab a fucking drink, y'all are gonna need it. And welcome to FML Talk. Oh
1: my god! Wait, how old was the other girl? Nineteen.
0: Can you believe that? Jeff? Hey, this is Gabrielle Stone. Good book. I in
1: chapter six? did what? Forty-eight hours. What a dick. Yeah, but have you seen all the photos on our Instagram?
0: And this, and this is FML Talk.
1: Oh, no, she didn't.
0: Okay. I get a lot of requests for discussing how to deal with narcissists when it's not someone you're in a relationship with or recovering from, but someone that you can't just say, I'm done, bye-bye, and cut off. Although I do know people that have done that with family members. It's never an easy thing to do. And I do know that my friend Maria um, has a father who is a narcissist and has narcissistic tendencies. And it's been a struggle her entire life to figure out how to navigate that, deal with that, protect her peace from that. And I reached out to her to see if she would be open to coming on and sharing her story. And I'm so happy that she felt like this was a safe enough space to do that because it's hard to to talk about people that are blood relatives that are in your family that you're so close with day in and day out that you're still trying to maintain a relationship with um, and talk about their flaws and how they've fucked you up. It's, it's not easy. And I'm so glad that she felt that she could come on to FML Talk and share this because lots and lots of people have asked me to cover a topic in this realm. So, Without further ado, let's bring on my good friend, Maria. Miss Maria Breeze, welcome to FML Talk. Hi. <laughs> I'm so excited to have you here. A, because I know the shit we're about to get into, <laughs> but also because you're one of my like good girlfriends and I don't get to have a lot of my good girlfriends on the podcast. <laughs> well, I'm excited to be here. Do you do a lot of podcasts? Yeah, I have recently. Are they... They're not going to be as fun as this one. Definitely not. <laughs> um, so oh like where do we even begin I guess like take me back to your childhood and how your upbringing was and kind of like give us the
2: lay of the land oh god um <laughs> <laughs> oh god where do I even start here um my parents I grew up in DC mm-hmm. in the DC metro area um my parents got divorced when I was six okay that so was pretty young and how how was it for the divorce was it like toxic in the home? Were you oh young God. enough to even remember what was going on? Oh, I have. I, I have tried to focus on the good memories that I have. Like I have this one of Christmas that I like remember specifically that I like focus on when I try and think of a good moment with mom and dad. Um, but I have a lot of really crazy memories of them together um, because there was just like a lot of there was always a lot of fighting and mm. a lot of crying and just, you know, stuff that you... I mean I reflect back on it because it's like as a mom now I'm like right. oh yeah we don't want to do that in front of the kids cuz I don't want I, I don't want my son to have that kind of memory so yeah. but yeah it was very toxic and so my mom moved out when I was 6 and actually it's crazy cuz they sent me to my grandmother's house that summer in Pennsylvania mm-hmm. before they got divorced and when my mom came to pick me up um she tells the story she's like you were in the back of the car and I was in the front driving and She's like, I, I said to you, you know, mommy and daddy are going to take some time away from each other. And she said, my response was, well, I guess my life will never be the same. Shut up. And She like, she was like, what the hell? <laughs> At the ripe age of six? Six? Yeah. <laughs> I had just had my sixth birthday because it was August that they separated. But yeah, I mean, I just, I spent a lot of time, you know, going back and forth. And were you an only child? Yeah. Okay. So I have a an older brother who's 10 years older. He's my stepbrother. Okay. But closest thing to a brother that I've ever had. Right. Um. So, yeah, a lot of time by myself. And, of course, like, when your parents are going through divorce, they want to talk to somebody who understands what's going, who, like, what's going on. Yeah. And so I was always that, like, counselor position for them. And my mom obviously had her girlfriends and, you know, people that were helping her. She was going to therapy. My dad definitely... Like, put a lot of pressure on me. Oh, really? Oh, my gosh, yeah. In, like, what ways? He would just talk to me about, like, intimate details about the divorce and, like, you know, tell me. Oh, my God, that's, like, 101 of what you're not supposed to do. A hundred percent. And just, like, tell me all the things that, like, well, your mom did bad stuff, too. And it's, like, okay. I mean, Uh, uh, I don't really understand, but. Right. You know, okay, sure. And, you know, they were just, my dad was, like, she had a great job. And my dad was just trying to get by as a single dad. And I've tried over the years to like understand his point of view because when my mom and I moved away, he didn't know where I lived. Mm. And now I look back, I'm like, oh, that was for safety reasons. Because, yeah. And it makes a lot of sense, but also to like, a single dad. He didn't know where his daughter was. So I think that would make someone a little sure. tune on top of what they're already going through. So I've tried to see both sides. I've tried to be diplomatic. I understand why my mom did the things she did. Right. But I also understand why my dad kind of reacted the way that he did. What was their like main reason for getting divorced? Like what was the
0: the straw that broke the camel's back or the reason behind it? If
2: you know. Oh, I know. Yeah, I know. Oh, I know. (laughs) I know. Um, There was a lot of physical and mental abuse. Mm. Yeah. From your dad or both sides. No, from my dad. I Mm. mean, primarily. And a lot of it with my mom was, you know, very defensive. And, you know, she will even say that, you know, she's like, there are a lot of things I did in response Mm. to those things that I'm not proud of. Right. And that's, you know, years of therapy have tried to help her overcome that. But Yeah, that's kind of why she just finally decided to leave. And because she had this great job, she was kind of taking care of the two of us. And my dad is a musician. He's a brilliant musician. Mm. And he just wasn't making a lot of money and just like not incentivized to like step up. So she finally just was like, I can't do it anymore. Right. And then bailed. So when
0: was it in your timeline of your life that you started, not that you knew what this was because a lot of people don't know anything about narcissists until they're much older and have like learned the terminology. But when in your life did you start experiencing things from your dad that you would now classify as narcissistic?
2: So my mom had always used that term and I had never understood mm. what it had meant. Um, and also I was very focused on myself as a teenager, right, you know, right. like as I'm getting older, because I went from seeing my dad every weekend to seeing him every other weekend to seeing him whenever I felt like it because I was dancing and then, you know, I'd want to hang out with friends. Right, and right. I started noticing him wanting to spend... Like as much time with me as possible which again i understand as a parent your Mm -hmm. child is growing up and he's not getting as much time with me as he used to but i would try and hang out with friends and he would like make me feel really bad about it or Mm -hmm. like i'd want to go to dance and he'd try to get me to skip my dance classes and it was just like commitments that i had made and he was kind of trying to keep me for himself which Mm -hmm. again I have tried to understand as like, you know, he's always loved me that has nothing to do with it, but his wants and needs were always more important than the things that mm. I wanted and needed. Right, right. And that's when I kind of started noticing it. When I went to college, he he has always been really great at celebrating my twins Mm -hmm. but he was never there for like the disappointments so Mm. he was either in the front row yelling that's my daughter that's my daughter she's a star or he wasn't there at all like nowhere to be found yep yeah and even to this day i mean the stuff he posts on facebook oh this is my daughter and my grandson look how beautiful they are and then it's like i'll get text messages like the one that i showed you before right and it's like this is not a normal this is not a normal way to treat another human being, let alone your child. Yeah. And he he was, he's like, whatever he's going through, whatever he's doing, it's always more important than whatever is happening in my life. Mm -hmm. And so over the years, it's just like, oh, that's what my mom meant by narcissist. Right, right. (laughs) So then what are
0: some of like the big, because I know you've had some big explosion type things with him. What are some of the, like mile
2: markers that you can look back on that are like the really gnarly experiences and stories? Um, One, I remember very vividly because as a dancer, and I don't know if you ever went through this, but I just, I struggled with body image and, yeah. and weight, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. everybody's different and some people don't go through it. Some people go through it heavily. Um, but in high school, I went through, I had some really bad stuff happen in high school with an ex-boyfriend and I went through really bad depression and I just was eating a lot and I, you know, got hips and I started to gain some weight. And I remember I was so excited one year, my stepdad got me this sweater from polo, Ralph Lauren polo mm-hmm. that I was so stoked on. <laughs> it was this big white sweater cable knit with like these hooks for, yeah, like, I don't know. What are, what are those? To attach? Yeah, like buttons. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, button, <laughs> hook, hook buttons. <laughs> and I was so excited. I wore it to my dad's house for Christmas. And my dad and my stepmom told me I looked fat in my sweater. They were like, this is not flattering on you. This doesn't look good on you. And I was like, okay, well, I really like it. And they were like, you should change because before we go anywhere, we would like you to like look presentable. Oh, my God. And I started crying because...
0: How old were you
2: at this point? I was 15, 16. Oh my God, that's so
0: detrimental to, first of all, anybody to hear, but a fucking teen in their formative years when like that's everything that everybody's fucking focusing on and society's pushing on you.
2: And also like as a dancer, you're constantly told like you have to look a certain way and it was like... This was like a nice break i'm supposed to be home right Right. i'm not supposed to feel that kind of pressure from an outside and ps
0: i'm always 10 pounds heavier around christmas i don't know about anybody else but like (laughs) it's every fucking year i'm probably at a higher weight in like my comfier baggier clothes
2: i don't know anybody that isn't 10 pounds heavier after thanksgiving between christmas (laughs) so i started crying and then my dad started making fun of me for crying what and he would he used to say this stuff to me a lot he'd say oh you're such a great actress look at you being <gasps> such a great actress oh look how well you can cry on command oh it's
0: so devastating like being an actress i've had boyfriends in the past that have been like oh, look at God. you go and it's oh. such
2: a that's such a trigger for me now when people like oh, are you really sad or are you just being an actor? And it's like, oh okay, when can I just be myself? Right, You're like,
0: well, no, there's tears coming out of my eyes. And like, I don't enjoy even when I am shooting a film, making myself feel like shit. Right? So. yeah,
2: The dark place that I have to go to Jeez. make myself cry. I don't want to be there. Right. In, like around Christmas, especially. Oh my God, that's terrible. So it, and it was always something like that, but God forbid you make a comment about the way that he looks or Mm -hmm. not that I would, but like he has always been super athletic and he he will always tell you about the things that he's doing to keep fit. And, you know, he doesn't ask how I'm doing over the phone. He just talks about his workout regimen. And then it's like, anytime I bring something up about myself, he's like, okay, well, I got to get going here. (laughs) So, Uh, you know, God forbid I say anything. And then he's making fun of me for feeling sad that someone called me fat. So it's just kind of like it's, it's a sensitive thing for me.
0: Well, sure. I mean, in any realm, that's a sensitive thing to hear and to feel.
2: Yeah. So it just, it's like always little things like that. And then, you know, the comments that he would make after I had my son, like talking about, oh, look how, look how great you look now. And you really bounced back quickly. And it's like things that should feel like compliments Mm -hmm. always feel like, Ick.
0: Well, and like, why are you focusing on my body that I never asked for your opinion on? Like, that's not where my value lies. Right. And is determined. Exactly. Ugh. Summer is here and life is not slowing down for us anytime soon. One of the things we have continuously relied on making our lives so much easier is factor meals. No prep, no mess, no cleanup meals. So how
2: is the relationship with you and your stepmom? My stepmom is one of the kindest people and I don't know how, I don't know how she does it to be honest because I can only spend short amount of time with my dad Mm -hmm. and of course I feel like it's important that I do spend time with him because as much as he does have these really negative qualities like... I know he loves me and I know he means well, Mm -hmm. he deserves to feel love in return, but it has, I have to have boundaries. Yeah. And so with my stepmom, you know, she has gotten in the middle a couple of times and I think learned very quickly, like not a good spot to be Mm -hmm. because I have all these old triggers and I, sometimes I'm just not logical when it comes to the things that he says and that he does because I feel like I'm a kid again, like trying to defend myself. He would always make these statements as a kid when I was a kid. Like, I'm big and you're small. I'm smart and you're dumb and there's nothing Mm. you can do about it. Kind of like Matilda. Right. I always really resonated with Matilda. You're like Matilda's my girl. I'm like, where are my magic powers? Why (laughs) haven't those manifested yet? But my stepmom is, you know, she tries to make light and she's really good at diffusing a situation Mm. she's got a great sense of humor it's very dark but it's like she'll crack a joke and then everything becomes a lot lighter right right. so thank god yeah yeah how was it when
0: you met your now husband and that dynamic with him was there any sort of weird power struggle or like how
2: is you know that whole situation my dad even to this day loves to tell patrick how similar they are oh god (laughs) oh my god yeah and it's really patrick is my husband um it's really tough on my husband because like he knows all the things that my dad has done over the years and and the
0: way that he's made you feel
2: oh he's seen the text messages and i'll get to my wedding there was a huge incident in my wedding um or about my wedding um but it's it's a struggle for Patrick because i he doesn't have this dynamic in his family, and he doesn't understand the dysfunction and trying to find i mean he knows that I'm trying to find like a healthy place right um but he does really struggle with my dad, and um he's very supportive and understanding that I want to have a relationship with him yeah, um but they really don't see eye to eye on very on a very fundamental
0: yeah <laughs> level I mean, I can see how that would be really difficult for someone that you're in a marriage or any type of committed relationship with to watch someone either be continuously mistreated or watch the trauma that has manifested from being mistreated and then being like, but I still want a relationship with this person. And you have to kind of navigate. I don't know if you've experienced anything like this. So with my ex-husband and I, when... My mom and I fight few and far between. Like, there's very rare times where we're like upset to the point where I will need to vent about her, but it happens. Like, we're fucking human.
2: That's natural. And yeah. there
0: were times where like I would be venting about something and then he would agree or say something about her and i was like don't you ever fucking talk about my mother like that i can say whatever the fuck i want but you're not allowed to speak about her like that like look at the shit card like hand you were dealt with your parents my mom's a fucking saint um and so and it must be a weird dynamic to try and like navigate for him as a partner to you know Want to take care and protect you, but then also, like, not be able to really fully speak what he feels about your dad.
2: Well, I think he feels like he can say what he wants because my dad is not the same as my mom in my eyes because she has sacrificed so much, right? Continuously over and over and over again (laughs) throughout my lifetime, yeah, while having an incredible career. Mm -hmm. Um, so and maybe my dad just wasn't given that opportunity, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but I think Patrick does feel like he has an open platform to say what he needs to say while treading in that, like, okay, if you need to vent, I'll just let you have your moment. Right. I don't understand your family dynamic, but I'll keep my mouth shut. Yeah.
0: You're very, I will say you're very, um, like level playing field that you're very, you know, understanding of the other person's point of view and trying to kind of You know, a lot of people that have dealt with years and years of, you know, a narcissist family member would not be so open and, you know, willing to see their side.
2: Yeah, I just, I guess I really understand that everybody has their reasons for the things that they do Mm -hmm. and everybody has a past and you do things in life that you're not always proud of. And sometimes traumas just stack on top of each other, and people, it's like layered trauma. And it right. just, you don't know where it began and you don't know where it ends. And I'm trying as a third party to understand okay, their marriage started off beautiful, their love story beautiful, and it ended horrifically. Right. And it wasn't because of me, but I, you know, a lot of things happened to me because of that. Mm-hmm. And I can only control me. And, Would I rob my son of having my dad in his life? No. You know, my dad is very loving and he has a lot of wonderful things to share, like his music. And when he sits down at the piano and he shares that with my son, like it's special because it was special for us. I used to go watch him at his gigs and, you know, sit there with my Harry Potter book in the background and, you know, because what other choice did I have? He was a working single dad. So yeah. You know, I've tried to see both sides, but also there's little excuse for certain behavior. And so I do want to recognize that because there was a child involved and you have to take responsibility as an adult. 100%. And I always say your trauma
0: can be a reason for something or a reason for your actions, but it doesn't excuse nor justify them. And it's your responsibility to fucking adjust that and fix that and
2: heal it. Go to therapy. Right. Right. Oh my god, just go to therapy. Wait, what a concept. <laughs> what what why? Why don't more people just go to therapy?
0: So take me to the uh the wedding incident. Oh yes. <laughs> ah yes.
2: Which so, should be the most like joyous and wonderful time in your life. Uh, what a moment. Um so <laughs> my mom and my stepdad were in the midst of getting divorced. During my planning for my wedding, Mm -hmm. and I got married December of two thousand nineteen. So I want to say this is like, oh,
0: that's right, because I didn't go to your wedding because I was in Asia.
2: (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) Dun dun dun. book two. (laughs) Yes. Um, but yeah. So I mean, this must have been October, September, October. So I had this really big struggle because my stepdad had been such a big part of my life. Um, that I wanted him to also feel like he was an important part of my wedding. Right. Even though he's not my birth father, like, he did a lot. He made a lot of sacrifices for me as well. Yeah. And he was just there for me growing up. You know, he and my dad are similar in a lot of ways as they're both both musicians. Mm. My stepdad has his doctorate and was um, a, a dean at a university and, you know, went the educational route like right. my mom. Um. But the way that they're thinking, their tra- like the, the thinking thought track, is very different. Mm. Um, my dad is very emotional. My stepdad is very logical, mathematical. So they both brought that fatherly figure. Like I always said, together they would be the perfect dad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so together, I felt like okay, I've I, I'm well rounded. Like I've I've got this. So of course divorce is never easy. And I had asked my stepdad, I'm like, how do you feel about walking me part way down the aisle? Mm-hmm. And he's at, you know, at that point was like, yeah, you know, we could talk about it. And I just, I want your dad to also feel like part of it. I'm like, of course my, I didn't know how I was going to do it, but it was like, either they both walk me down or I walk myself down or right, my right. mom walks me down because she definitely deserves that. Yeah. And so, I had just asked him and something went awry in the divorce process. And my stepdad, who never had a good relationship with my real dad, reached out to my real dad and was like, I'm not sure if you know, but Maria asked me to walk her down the aisle. And of course, my, my real dad only heard, you're unimportant. You're never going to walk her down the aisle. Oh, right. The one moment that you had as a part of this wedding, because being my dad is not enough, it was taken away from you. And and it's like, I can only imagine that those are the things that he heard because that's all in the gigantic text message I got from my real dad. Mm. That's all I got. Me, 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 me. It has nothing to do with you. Y'all, the job is literally just walk me down the aisle so that I can get married right, to the love of my right, life. Right. It has nothing to do with you. I could have my toddler walk me down the <laughs> aisle and it would have been fine, you know? <laughs> so that started like World War Three. And the things that my father said to me via text message, I Patrick doesn't get angry or come to my defense because he's like, this is your thing. You know, I'll defend you here. You, ha- I've got your back. But he doesn't reach out to my dad unless it's big. Mm-hmm. And uh, needless to say, Patrick had a few words um, of his own. Yeah. For my dad. And I, I was like, if you say that, you might never be able to come back from it he's like honestly at this point i feel like i should i mean the names i was called i was an utter disappointment you know i wish i had a second child because they would have been better than you oh my god like things that you never say to your child yeah like you're no daughter of mine and it's like all because I asked my stepdad, who is an intricate part of my life to be a part of the process of walking me down the aisle. And so he never called to like, this was all just, he got wind of this information. And then uh, this text came. Yep. There was no warning. It was just like, and that's how he operates. He just explodes. There's no like normal thought process. There's no like, Hey, what did you mean by this? You know, your stepdad told me that, yeah, blah, blah, blah. What, what really happened? Or no. can we
0: have a conversation about this? Or my feelings are hurt or anything that you learn in like being a fucking adult 101.
2: <laughs> no, there's none of that. It flies out the window and automatically, I, whatever I have to say is second to whatever my dad is also very, um, republican Mm. which is fine i grew Mm. up in a republican household i don't care you can believe what you want think what you want do what you want um but he's very much of the mentality that like men believe other men and like women are kind of secondary even though he ironically is that a republican thing i don't know but i've had (laughs) that experience with like like, what (laughs) no no maybe that's not fair but (laughs) no i mean i don't know i i don't know but that's probably not a fair assessment cuz there are a lot of open-minded republicans so i apologize for that but <laughs> but i mean it's very much of that like boys club right and right. That, i think that's where where i was going with that yeah. you know and it's like men believe other men and you know what does your husband think about this? It's always like that kind of a thing, and right, like you had like, a daughter. because God forbid I think this way, and it doesn't fucking matter what my husband thinks about walking me down the aisle. Like well, what? I honestly, you'd think over the years, like once I really found my voice, because my mom was very much of the "it's all right to cry, speak up for yourself if your feelings are hurt," like you know, instilling this confidence in me as a woman, as a person. And then my dad is like, it doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what you feel. Your feelings are silly. Stop being so emotional. And it's just like, but you can be emotional when right. you feel triggered or when you feel upset. So it was like your stepdad told me that this is what happened and that's what happened. And I was like, well, that's not what happened. And I don't know like, if that's just what you heard or if that's. So it was like a huge blow up. And at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk myself down the aisle because screw this. You guys can go both fuck yourselves. (laughs) And I'm going to walk myself down. I'm going to look really pretty because that's it's my day with my husband or my future husband. And I don't really care if you show up or not, which um, my stepdad did not show up. So wait, why? Um, oh, okay. I would do. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it kind of. I he did buy a ticket and but he said it was because of there was a snowstorm coming in. So it could have been a very, you know, logical reason um, or it could have been the the fact that my mom was there and it was my way because they got divorced before the wedding happened. Yeah. Got it. And my brother was there, my stepbrother, his son. So, you know, that side of the family was represented and my stepdad was missed. And, you know, it, it does suck. But my dad did end up walking me down the aisle because oh, so he's still like got he his- still managed <laughs> to like finesse his way because honestly, I'm at the point where I get so exhausted by arguing with him that like it was like, you know what, it's my wedding. And yes. if, if I'm okay with it and it makes him happy and we have our dance, fine. He did end up leaving my wedding early so that he could get to a cruise that he was taking the next day. I cannot. He left uh. after our first dance. Because we had that after dinner and just bailed. Oh my God, dude.
0: <sighs> it's like <laughs> the the weird twisted things that must go on in someone's head to like flip t- stuff on, on the other person. Like the stuff that was in that text message. That's like inexcusable. Oh,
2: the one that's, that I sent you? No, no, no. The oh. one that you just oh, referenced. It, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's like
0: inexcusable stuff that... You don't
2: say unless you're like ready to end a relationship. Can you imagine if I had said to him, I wish I had any father but you. Right. Can you imagine if I like in his brain, his brain would explode. Yeah. Because I'm very conscious and that's probably why I'm conscious. Even in my fights with my husband, you cannot unsay things. Words are powerful. Yeah. And so I always think like, okay, how do I feel versus what I'm about to say? And Mm -hmm. is it out of being emotional or is this truly how I feel? And I need that person to know. Right. And so, and I I think it stems from my dad because it was always just word vomit, all these horrible, horrible, horrible things. But I couldn't say those things to him if I ever wanted to have a relationship with him again. Right.
0: So was there ever a moment in your life where you were like, I'm going to cut this relationship out of my life because it's too toxic.
2: Yes. Um, we got into a huge fight when I was 21. Um, I was in college and as a gift, when I turned seven, my dad got me my cat star who was like the light of my life. Mm -hmm. I was obsessed with that cat and anybody that met star, he was like, I used to say he was, um, like Elton John in a cat.
1: Body.
2: Oh, my God I love it. <laughs> Um, and he was just really mellow, really cool. So that cat lived forever, and in college, um I got into a huge argument with my dad, and my dad gave my cat away. Oh my God, yeah, he says because he couldn't take every time he saw the cat missing me. um okay, um, <laughs> so he gave the cat away to a friend of his. And I was very confused because, like, well, this is my cat. You can't really give away somebody else's pet. Yeah. I mean, that's, like, someone giving Finn away. Right? I, no. Fucking no. murder that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <gasps> um, no. So I went back. Her name was Sylvia. And I went to Sylvia. And I'm like, I would like to take my cat back. And she's like, well, your dad gave him to me. You can come visit him whenever you want. I'm like, uh. Wait, this is
0: after, like. Years and years and years of you owning this fucking cat
2: from seven to
0: twenty-two. Oh, I would have someone's head. Like that's not a thing. You don't just that's like a child. You don't just give a child a away. child
2: away because you're upset with somebody, right? And he, it was like the ultimate dagger, and it was like, okay, I'm definitely done with you because if you could reach that level, right, of, right, you did that specifically
0: to, to hurt, hurt me, me.
2: yeah. And like at the very deepest level. And so maybe six months later, um, Star got really sick with an upper respiratory infection. And I got to visit him the day before he died. And I think he like held on to like see me because he was probably pretty confused living with my dad his entire life and then living with this woman. She did take really good care of him. She made sure that he got really great care. But it's like... Yeah, it's the principle of like, where's my mom? Right. Oh, and my so, heart. And I didn't even get to hold him. He was in an incubator. And so I got oh, to wear God. the little gloves and see him through a plastic glass. And I got to say goodbye to him that way. And the next day he died. Oh, my God. My heart. I can't. I can't handle it. So it's like... I mean, if you look at these stories individually, they probably don't... I mean, they sound bad but it's like a collective of well yeah living
0: with that of years and years and years of that type of like it's like emotional abuse yes you know that's that's, exactly what it is is. um okay so after that happened how did you guys reconcile
2: i i still do this to this day but i i block him Mm -hmm. i block him regularly the amount of times i've unfriended him on facebook it's kind of scary. <laughs> um, but I do block his text messages sometimes when he goes on his his rants. Mm-hmm. Um, so this time I had blocked him for several months and something happened. I want to say someone in our family got sick or somebody passed away. I think it was his uncle, one of his uncles. And my stepmom reached out to me. Mm-hmm. And from there it was like, well, life is short. So, right, right. like, and then it kind of always, and he always manages to like work his way back into my life this way because I think to myself, well, if he died tomorrow, how horrible would I feel if we weren't yeah. speaking yeah. because of something? Silly, not right. that the cat situation was No, silly but I,
0: I get that. And especially it's like in any relationship dynamic when you have a fight with someone and you're like, oh my God, I can never talk to this person again or fuck this person or oh my God, this is like not okay and I'm putting my, my wall up. In a week, in a month, in three months, you start to feel less of that charge. Mm-hmm. And then it's easier for people to kind of like walk back in. Totally. Because you're like, well, I'm not as mad anymore. I'm a little more toned down about it.
2: At the end of the day, it it would be so much easier. And I've gotten great because he's kind of conditioned me with this kind of like emotional stuff over the last, you know, two decades. Um, I'm really good at finally knowing my boundaries Mm -hmm. and knowing how to set those boundaries. And then like, if you can't be that person for me, that's okay. And I don't need to be that person for you anymore because I keep giving and giving and giving and you're not giving in return. Yeah. So now I can shut that down. What makes it difficult is the fact that he's my blood and you get one real dad in life. Yeah. You know, it's really tough. I have people reach
0: out to me all the time and they're like, what do I do if? You know, I'm co parenting with a narcissist and I can't fucking cut them out. Or what do I do if the narcissist is in my family and I can't just cut them out? So I'm interested to know what are some of your boundaries that you've set with him Mm -hmm. and how do you, how does he react
2: to those and how do you enforce those? So I have made it very clear that I will parent the way that I see fit. I think getting parenting tips from my parents or, you know, my mom is around my son all the time. And, um, I think it's great if you want to give advice, but at the end of the day, I make executive decisions about what's best for my child. And just so we're clear on that. Cool. Um, I've also made it very clear that if you raise your voice, I will end the phone call. Mm, It's not, it's not disrespectful anymore to hang up on you because you've now made the choice to disrespect me by raising your voice. So that's the end of the conversation. I'm going to let you know in advance. But if it gets, if it escalates to that point, that's the end of the conversation. We can come back to it the next day, maybe when you've calmed down, but that's the end of it. That's a good one. If you insult me, that's also the end of the conversation because I will do my best to make my intentions clearer, let you know exactly how I'm feeling. If you feel insulted by something that I have said, please let me know Mm -hmm. because we can discuss it because that's not my intention to hurt you. So let's make the conversation cool, calm, collected and not hurt one another. Right. If you send me long rants or you call me more than four times in a row, I'm blocking your phone number. (sighs) If you keep ranting after I've politely asked you to stop, I'm blocking your phone number. And this is just how my relationship has to be with him. And, you know, he can make whatever decisions he wants. I'm surely not perfect. I definitely said and done things, you know, and again, I'm triggered by him. So, right. It makes it even harder. Right. But these are the ground rules I've set for myself. Yeah.
0: So when you told, did you communicate those with him or is it like, these are my boundaries and I'm sticking to them? But was there a time where you were like, yo, these are what I need you to respect. Oh yeah. How no. did that go? I
2: can't see that being like a normal conversation. You know, they all happened at different points. Mm-hmm. Um, they definitely didn't, it wasn't like, okay, rule number one. Here's my <laughs> list,
1: let's <laughs> sign on the dotted line.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, it would be great if it were that simple. Right, right. Um, or if conversations were that logical. But you know, I've, I've had conversations with him in the past uh, one in particular that I can, I can think of, um, I'm re- I really, really don't like lies. Don't lie to me to make me feel better. Don't lie to me because you think it's easier. I, I, I feel like it's so disrespectful to lie to people. And we had this moment. Um, I asked him about my savings bonds from my grandparents when, because mm-hmm. um, they were, they, when I was born, my grandparents gave me a bunch of savings bonds that I guess mature over time yeah so my mom said she didn't know where they were obviously as a minor at that time I couldn't cash them um I looked it up in the treasury if you like try and find the savings bonds um they'll tell you what happened if they've been cashed right they were cashed Mm. and it could have been one of two people and it definitely wasn't my mom so my dad cashed my savings bonds and I confronted him 2016 when pat and i were living in chicago and he came to visit and i said look i don't know why you did it but i'm sure you had your reasons and he finally came clean after years of being like no 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 i didn't i didn't i didn't oh wow and he was honest with me and said look i needed help paying for the mortgage on the place and i was like you know what then cool if you used it for the mortgage then like i'm glad that i could help I, it wasn't even. I mean, it was money given to me. I I, I didn't. It's not really mine until I cash it, right?
1: Hmm.
2: Okay. We got into an argument a couple months later, and he completely backtracked and was like, "I just said that so you would stop bringing it up. I didn't actually cash your savings oh, bonds." And it was stop. like we took twenty steps back from right. where I thought we had made some forward movement. And so that's like for me. I finally said to him, "I don't care." Just be honest with me. Mm -hmm. And it was like, that's kind of what started me putting, like laying down the rules. We can't argue because I can't do that in my life. There's nobody else in the world that treats me this way. And I'm just not going to accept that kind of treatment from you anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And nor should you.
0: Right. I mean, that's, that's insane. (laughs) It's like exhausting to even just sit here and listen to it because I, thankfully have never had a, a dynamic like that with someone that I'm really close to in in my family at all and I can't imagine you know it's almost like every time a text or a call comes in you're like waiting for the fucking
2: that's exactly it I I, I actually tell my husband this all the time I'm like there's usually a time limit I usually can go a few months and we're like totally cool. And then something sets him off where he, like, absolutely loses it with me. Mm-hmm. And then I have to do the whole process over again. Yeah. Of, like, the blocking and not talking to him for a right. while. And It's, like, it's exhausting. It's, it's exhausting.
0: So let's talk about the stuff that happened recently and
2: what prompted that. So... um I mean, I can talk about it now. I'm pregnant again. Yay! Yay! With the with little, little girl. Little girl! Oh my God, it's so exciting. Yeah. <laughs> so, obviously, my parents, I told them pretty early on, and my dad was ecstatic and he was excited that it was a girl because he was very excited to have me. I'm his only child and he mm-hmm. really wanted a girl. The irony is so not possible. Right, awesome. right. <laughs> Um. So, I hadn't really, my, my dad and I, you know, I try and reach out and I was, I was reaching out to him a, a bunch, talking to him about family names and like what names you know are on his side just to kind of think of some middle names or maybe a first name we like. Right. And <laughs> my dad does this thing where he likes to send his workouts. Cause over the last couple of years, he's gotten less healthy. My dad's 74. I mean, he's, he's mm-hmm. an older guy. And he's gained some weight. Like, you know, we all fluctuate, right? And so he was really excited that he was, like, getting back into shape and going back to the gym. And I was trying to be so supportive because I want him to be the healthiest version of himself. Right. So he's been sending Patrick and I and a bunch of our other family members his workouts that he's been doing and, like, how he tracks his steps. Okay. (laughs) I'm like, okay, well, yay, Dad. Good for you. (laughs) Keep going. You know, I don't want to discourage him by being, like, stop – stop sending me this via facebook but like right right but it's also like a lot right and so finally the other day i just had had it because he's just keeps sending me these workouts and like mansplaining to me like how to be healthy i'm like okay like have you looked at me
0: lately i'm not the little girl that you called, <laughs> called bat fat in the white sweater i, my I look like-, like a fucking rock star <laughs> shut the fuck up Okay, sorry, that might've been like me coming
2: out there. But. <laughs> no, but you know, like, okay, you know, everybody's got their own things. And if that makes him feel better to explain it to me, fine. But finally I had just lost it. I don't know the way he said it or I don't know, but I'd finally just responded. I'm, my pregnancy is going great. Thank you so much for asking. I really <sighs> appreciate you reaching out, checking on me and seeing how I'm doing. Because just once it would be nice to be like, Here's my workout. But how are you? Right. Because for he knew that I was going through horrible morning sickness. He knew because I, I told him. But yeah. again, I think it went through one ear and out the other. So he responded, well, thank you for asking about my blood clot in my leg that could have killed me. You could at least be a little bit sensitive about what I'm going through. And it was like, oh, like how did we go from <laughs> my... Your workout to my pregnancy, like you, I don't know, usually when someone, maybe I was super passive, I definitely was super passive aggressive with my
0: message, but like, no, but I get it. Like you want your dad to be able to like check in on you and like not be like sending you workouts and telling you why it's important to work out and be healthy. <laughs> right. I get it. Just
2: ask me how I'm doing. Cause like, I can only put in so much time and energy into what you're going through. Just once I just like a small comment, Hey, I love you. I hope you're doing well. Right. Just something small. So then it, you know, and then I'm like, you know, dad, I've tried to call you a bunch. You never pick up the phone when I call. Whoa, boy, that was that was a big mistake because then it turned into nonstop phone calls. When he gets this in his mind that like, oh, somebody is being hard on me about something. I'm going to inundate them with communication because that's what she's complaining about. Uh, so I had five missed calls and like four different, voicemails saying it's august blah 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 at you know x time and this is your father calling you you say i never call you so here i am calling you and it's just like i'm not available well it's mean it's like you're calling me but you're being mean and you're not calling me because because you care you're calling because you're trying to prove a point right and so that has been happening for the last several days and I've been sending you the screenshots like here we go <laughs> you're like ready to talk about my narcissist father <laughs> and it's just it's just always about him so finally today I sent a text message back saying I'm unavailable to answer your phone call right now as I'm on a Skype session or a Zoom session whatever I was on um, I will call you when it's convenient that's how callbacks work right. it doesn't just work when it's available for you like y- you find each other when it works And I'll let you know, let's schedule something. And it's just, it's like exhausting. I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted listening to it. (laughs) Like I don't understand how people
0: can can function. And like, even the anxiety of when it's going to get exhausting again, you know, like you say, you have like a month or two where it's fine. I would constantly
2: have the anxiety of like, fuck, but when's the other shoe going to drop? Like, yes. when's it going to come? That's the anxiety that I kind of live with. And, you know, because I could never tell what emotion he was going to have that day. My dad is bipolar. I probably should have mentioned, Oh my God. but okay, he's so unchecked. He refuses to take medication. He will not go to the doctor. So like it then becomes the people around him, their responsibility to deal with it. And mm-hmm. and it's no longer his responsibility, which and I guess maybe that's also why I try to see things from his point of view, because there's more going on than just being right. You know, right. all about me. It's who knows what's going through his mind. So he's he's been diagnosed like mm-hmm. professionally. Yep. Wow. Yeah. So I've tried to be, you know, very conscious of that and what he must be going through. But again, it's your responsibility if you know this about yourself. Yeah. To go find some sort of way to deal with it. Yeah. So yeah. To like manage it. Right. Right. So I, yeah, that's. Girl. So if you had to tell some advice to people
0: that are listening with, that have, you know, a family member that acts in narcissistic ways and is exhausting in in this sense what would you say has been your
2: kind of like saving grace in dealing with that try and understand why that person or from like where they're coming from but then be very comfortable setting your boundaries because again you know there are two sides to every story and you know If the triggers start to add up on both sides, you can only take responsibility for what you do and what, you know, what you can control. Understand that they're probably going through some things and there's a reason that they are the way that they are, but control what you can control and set your boundaries and make them very, very clear. And over time, they might move and they might change because as you grow as a person, you know, things, circumstances change. But be very clear with that person that like, I am not comfortable with this. This upsets me and I'm no longer going to be available for that. Yeah. And I think just setting those boundaries really helps you just find a moment to breathe. Yeah.
0: And I would piggyback on that saying that once you set those boundaries, don't feel bad for how the other person reacts to them. It's not your responsibility to take care of someone being hurt
2: in a response to you being hurt that you set in the first place. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because undoubtedly, when you set a boundary that somebody else hasn't ever seen you set before, there's going to be an emotional reaction of why are you doing this to me, especially if they have narcissistic tendencies. Why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to our relationship? You know, me, me, me. And how does this affect me? Make sure that they understand it's not about you. This is about me setting boundaries for myself to take care of my mental health because I need to reset in order to have a relationship with you at all if at some point we do. Yes, 100%.
0: Hell yes. On that note, can you please tell everyone where they can uh, find you and follow you online? Yeah, you can find me at
2: at Maria Brees. I'm I'm, I'm just... (laughs) My first and last name on all my handles. So really creative. <laughs> I love it. Um, Thank you for being here. Thank
0: you for opening up about, I mean, it's not comfortable to come on here and talk about such personal things that are related to someone so close to you, you know? So I appreciate you coming on and opening up because I know a lot of people, unfortunately, deal with relationship dynamics like this and it's fucking tricky.
2: I just hope that somebody listening is like, oh okay, there is a way out. There is like, oh, this person is going through that too. Cool. Yeah, cool. It's manageable. I can figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just at least one, one of you out there. I guarantee you there's many, many more.
0: I want to say a huge thank you to my girl Maria for coming on and sharing all of that. I know it must not be easy to continually live with that exhaustion that someone like that being so closely involved in your life brings. And I feel like a lot of people are really going to resonate and benefit from her story. So thank you, girl. All right, we are going to take a turn now and get into some of your FML stories. Here we go.
1: Hi, Gabrielle. Here's my FML story. I'm going to keep it anonymous because it's pretty embarrassing. When I was 19 years old, I was dating a 38-year-old. I know. Huge age gap, right? But I had met him at work when I was a cashier at a gas station, and somehow he charmed his way into my life. After eight months of hanging out and me just seeing him as a friend, he finally started to grow on me like a fungus. And against all instincts in my body, I slept with him after eight months of swearing that I wouldn't. It wasn't long after we slept together that he started being a completely different person, If I didn't call him back or text him back when we weren't together, he would start blowing up my phone, accusing me of all kinds of things, saying I'm cheating on him and saying that I have a nasty body and just being a complete asshole and saying really cruel things. I got sick of it. I dropped him like the bad habit that he was because I didn't have time for that shit in my life. Two years later, I was living with another guy. We had gotten pretty serious. We're watching the news. By the way, this new guy knew my ex and knew that he was my ex. But I digress. We're watching the news and all of a sudden I hear a very familiar name. I look up at the screen and I see my ex's mugshot. He was in custody, being charged with sexual exploitation of a child after he had been caught sneaking into his friend's daughter's room, lifting up her shirt and snapping pictures of her with his cell phone. He is now serving 14 years in prison. Well, he's on year A of that, but you get the gist. Not one of my finer moments. Fuck my life.
0: Damn, girl. What? That, that took a couple different fucking turns, and I was not sure where we were going to end up, but wow. Um, you can't really say it's embarrassing for you because you didn't know anything that that person was going to end up being capable of. What a fucking scumbag. I am glad he is rotting away in prison for doing that shit. I mean, wow. my My jaw was on the floor. You dodged a fucking bullet with that one girl all right here's story number two
3: hey Gabrielle my name is Ashley and this is my FML story at 21 I met my ex-husband Mike everything seemed good at first a little fast he was going through a divorce his ex-wife cheated on him so I move in about a month after we're dating because I lived with my ex-boyfriend and he was so jealous he couldn't handle that so I move in helping him take care of his four kids. I'm basically a stay home mom. Six months into our relationship, he comes upstairs, tells me that I have to leave because him and Amy are going to try to work it out. at sex wife So I scrambled to go to a friend's house, thankfully, to live there and figure out what I'm going to do. So then fast forward a couple months, he comes back to me, says he made a big mistake, please take him back, all this stuff. So we slowly start dating. His divorce ended up being finalized a couple weeks later. I moved in the day it was finalized. And then... Two months after that, we get engaged. Six months after that, we get married. And then we just fight the whole time. He's a complete narcissist. He is controlling, manipulative, um, just self-esteem out the window. Like Made me feel like I just wasn't good enough. I already had serious abandonment issues, so I constantly thought he was going to leave me because of what happened the first time. So he goes on being super jealous. I get a job. My parents end up convincing me to get a car of my own because... Everything was in his name, like everything. I had nothing. And then I am working, making money. So I'm I'm starting to build up my money. I'm thinking about divorcing him because things are getting really bad. And then all of a sudden, I come home from work one day after we had a conversation like days earlier that we were really going to try to make it work no matter what. He tells me that he is not in love with me anymore. He doesn't want to be with me anymore. Next day, I come home from work like devastated. They had me leave work. I was so emotional. And she is at my house and it's his ex-wife. And he tells me that they've been talking for three months and everything like that. Fast forward, we end up getting divorced. Um, I end up becoming addicted to alcohol. And now I'm finally sober for two and a half years and married to the love of my life.
0: Goddamn girl. I'm so glad that had a happy ending because it was looking grim there for a little bit of that story. Um, This is like the epitome of you ignoring red flags and ignoring intuition and then the fucking diabolical shit that will happen if you do that. Um so I'm so glad that your story had a happy ending and you are now with the love of your life and recovered from the addiction that you fell into. That shit is no joke. So when you have those initial red flags, y'all, pay attention to them. They're there for a fucking reason. Next week, everybody, I cannot wait for this episode. I've been excited for this episode to air since I recorded it, and it's all on boundaries. I am joined by Terry Cole, who is a psychotherapist, a relationship expert, and author of the book Boundary Boss with the best fucking title, Um, and it was a really incredible Interview I had with her. She taught me some shit about myself. She's going to teach y'all some stuff. It is one to not miss. And it's so appropriate that this is coming after the episode that just aired today, where we talked all about the importance of boundaries um, and setting them and what Maria's were. So next week, we are going to really get a crash course in how to set those boundaries and really go there. As always, make sure you guys are subscribed so you never miss an episode. Keep up with us on Instagram at FML Talk Podcast. If you're not hanging out with us on the subscription, that's where all the fucking fun party is really happening. And you can do that at patreon.com slash FML Talk. As always, have a wonderful rest of your week and have a self-love cocktail on me. Cheers.